With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. Preseason camp is officially underway for Michigan's football team. What are the top storylines heading into Jim Harbaugh's ninth year in Ann Arbor? Plus, recruiting news, both good and bad, all ahead on this episode. Another two-man pod for us today as Andrew is still on vacation, which isn't just unfortunate because he's a vital part of this podcast, but also because we can't get his reaction to this latest Mets implosion. I mean, frequent listeners will will know he's a huge New York Mets fan, and the team has the highest payroll in MLB this year. And I think the last time he went on vacation was when the Tigers swept the Mets. And now he's gone, and they're doing a fire sale, which includes trading Verlander and Scherzer. And on top of that, I saw last night that they lost on a walk-off balk. So unfortunately, it looks like we'll have to wait a little bit to, to get his reaction to to, to that. Yeah, talk about crashing and burning. You said that they had the highest payroll in baseball, um, and they sold off basically their highest pieces. And I think they're still stuck paying the bill for some of those guys, too, just to get rid of them. So it's going to be a long and I saw an interview too with I think uh, the owner Cohen who said like they're not gonna like vie like vie to compete again for a couple more years. So uh, it was quite the quite the downward spiral for the Mets. Yeah, but at least I mean we can't really talk as the Tigers completely bundled the Eduardo Rita situation too and ended up not trading him. So, anyways, let's uh, get into some football discussion here. And um, I mean, lots to talk about. The as I said in the intro. It's a football season's officially here. Practice starts on Wednesday, August 2nd. Um, and yeah, it'll be a, a month until their uh, opening kickoff against East Carolina. What uh, what are your top storylines heading into this uh, month of preseason practice? I just got to say, it's nice that football is finally here. I feel like we've been talking about it now for months. Um, I think we've been waiting on this to get here. But yeah, they, they start practice officially today, Wednesday, uh, in Ann Arbor. All of the players were expected to report yesterday, Tuesday. They all hold up in a hotel for the next three, some three and a half weeks, and uh, they will uh, figure out who's starting and what's what's the deal here. Uh, I, I think most of us who follow this program or pay attention, at least you know, diehard fans, kind of know what's going on. There aren't a ton of mysteries with this team, just based on all the players they have coming back. They have a lot of key pieces on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, there, there isn't a ton, but there are a few camp battles and there's stuff um, I'm going to be paying attention to. You're going to be paying attention to. 
um, that I, I think are going to help kind of determine whether this team is national title worthy. Um, well, certainly offense. I, I think that makes the most sense, especially up front, the offensive line. Uh, you know, we talked to Jim Harbaugh last week in Indianapolis, big time media days. You know, he was asked about the tackle spots. Uh, he said there are basically at this point four guys vying for two starting jobs. Um, in that group is Ladarius Henderson, transfer from Arizona State. And then we got Miles Hinton, transfer from, from Stanford. Uh, and then we've got Carson Barnhart and Trent A. Jones, two returners, guys that have been around a while. They have starting experience. Um, so this is going to be fascinating just because Henderson and Hinton probably have more experience just based on, you know, number of starts, time playing their previous schools. Um, both guys are probably more advanced, but they weren't around in the spring. Uh, Henderson wasn't able to enroll. He had to wait until the summer. And then Hinton was injured, coming off an injury. So um, those two spots are kind of wide open at this point, uh, you know, Jim made a comment that he wouldn't be surprised if it takes most of sp most of fall camp to kind of determine that, and it may spill into the end of the season. So those are two key spots. I mean, Michigan obviously lost Ryan Hayes, which was a huge um, you know loss last year. He ended up being drafted going to the NFL. Um, Michigan's had a long track re track record of above average to, to to excellent tackles, and now the task this you know in the next couple of weeks is finding out who the, those next two starters are going to be. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think this is one of the most interesting battles because it doesn't look like it would be hard to predict who the front runners are right now. I mean, I think Carson Barnhart played the best out of the group last year, at least from the guys that were on Michigan. But I mean, like you said, Ladarius Henderson has a nice track record. Miles Hinton was a former starter. Um, it's, it will depend on how quickly they can get up to speed. But like to handicap this race now just seems pretty difficult. I mean, heading into camp because it seems like all of them have a, can make a legitimate case to be a starter. Yeah, and, and it, it's a perfect example, too, of kind of illustrating the depth along the offensive line that we've spoken about the last couple of months. Michigan's really confident in what they have up front. You know, Jim made the comment last week that they believe they have 10 legitimate starters up front. And, and I think a case is, to be, is, is, you know, to be made for probably a good eight to nine of them. In fact, he, he believes they've got – upwards of seven or eight all Big Ten offensive linemen. Now, I don't know how that's going to happen with when you can only start up to five guys, um, but they they feel like they've got options. Uh, if injuries happen to hit, and it seems like almost every year something happens to the offensive line, they feel like they got enough pieces to kind of fill in the place. Um, now, as we talk about the O-line, there's another job up for up for grabs this in, in camp. It's the center spots. Although Olu, Timmy obviously have left. Uh, he went to the NFL and got drafted as well. Michigan's got two, you know, maybe three guys that they feel like they can put in there. Um, Jim did specify it, it did to describe it as a, a, a two man race this fall um, between Drake Nugent, another transfer from Stanford, and then Greg Crippen, a returner. Uh, guy who's been around the program a while. He's played in a handful of games, hasn't started to my, I don't believe. So this one seems a little more lopsided. I, I thought maybe Drake would be named the starter, but again, he's another case, another guy who came in the program in the off season. Uh, he was around in the spring, but he was injured. So he didn't practice, wasn't able to kind of get acclimated with the offense, get up to speed and everything else. So he's kind of coming in with, with stuff, with time. He's got, he's got stuff to make up. Um, which I think helps Crippen. Um, now, the other glowing difference between Nugent and Crippen here is, is the size. Nugent's only listed at 6'1", 300 pounds. And I met the guy a few months ago 
at one of uh, one of the camps, and he I'd be surprised if he was six one. He was about as tall as I am, and I'm like five eleven and a half. So I think I think you're wow. pushing it with six one there. Yes, he's two hundred <laughs> pounds, so he's certainly built, but he's a shorter dude. Crippen is listed at six four, probably closer to six three, but nonetheless, there's a probably a good three inch height advantage there for Crippen. I don't know how much of a difference that makes. Um, you know, Crippen does have the advantage of having, you know, snapped a McCarthy before. He knows what he's doing there. There's probably a little bit more of a um, you know, a, 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 a you know, familiarity. Um, whether that translates to on the field and games, I don't know. But nonetheless, Jim Harbaugh um, was adamant about there being a competition at center. So that's that's another one to pay attention to as well. Yeah, and Crippen's kind of an interesting case because he played a decent amount in a reserve role as a freshman and, and lost his redshirt as a freshman. And then last year he, he appeared in a couple of games early and then Mich- Michigan didn't play on the rest of the year and decided to redshirt him as, as a sophomore. So you don't typically see that very very often. Um, so, I mean, to me, I'm like, all right, is, is I maybe he's a, a transfer candidate heading into the last offseason, but – here he is still here and battling. So I know early on in his career, I mean, coaches touted him pretty highly. So, uh, yeah, that one I think can go either way too. And it's it almost makes you wonder, does Michigan almost have too many options and combinations for their offensive line? Is it going to be tough for them to find the right or get that right combination together and get them enough reps if they're going to be mixing and matching so much during camp? Yeah, that's a good question, and we saw how long it took last year for the offensive line to kind of gel and get comfortable with one another and and everything else. And look, it, it worked out. I mean, they obviously won the Joe Moore Award. They were still dominant up front, so I, I don't know if that's as big of a concern. But I I think if you, if there was one question mark with the offensive line, it's that you know can they find the right five combinate you know right combination of five guys? That's always been a difficult task. You know even in years past where they they had depth and they had multiple options there, um, and you've got multiple guys vying at multiple spots here. And it's it's going to be interesting. I suspect they'll they'll spend the early portion of camp like you said, mixing and matching, using guys at different spots, maybe flipping some of the tackles and, and everything else just to see maybe if you know one stands out over the other. But, um, yeah, it, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Luckily for Michigan, the, the non-conference schedule is relatively you know, soft, as we've discussed. So that'll give them relatively some... soft. It's extremely soft. <laughs> I, I I agree with that. I, I do. People have said that. I do think it's a little more difficult than it was last year, and I know that's not saying a lot. But um, nonetheless, going back to my original point, I think it's going to be a good opportunity for Michigan to test stuff out and find out who the, who the right five are. I mean, this may be a case where they they you know take some of these competitions into the non-conference schedule like they did at quarterback last year with McCarthy and, and, and McNamara. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's going to be fascinating. That Those are the biggest question marks to me, at least in the offensive side of the ball. One minor, I don't say minor, but different competition I'm looking at too is receiver. Like, yes, we know Cornelius Johnson's going to be there. Um, you know, we we know Roman Wilson's going to be there, but who's that third receiver? Now, I know Michigan doesn't use three receiver sets a ton, um, but I, I do think they're going to have to find a third guy to kind of become a reliable option, especially if they want to throw the ball more than they did last year. Jim Marble said they plan to. That the hope is that they can. J.J. McCarthy's back with another year, so I, I think he's ready to do it. Uh, who is that third guy going to be? Is it is it you know is it a Darius Clemens? Is it a Peyton O'Leary? Tyler Morris? There's only a handful of guys I, I think can really step up there. They got a couple of true freshmen that they might get you know roll the balls out there, let them do something. Um, but I, I do think they're going to need some help at receiver. 
Yeah, it's kind of funny because last year it seemed like they had almost like too many cooks in the kitchen kitchen when it came to receiver. Um, and then now this year, just one year later, it's like, wow, they're pretty bare as far as depth goes at that position. I mean, you had Ronnie Bell last year, and even though he didn't have a good year, I mean, Andrew Anthony was still young, and, and people thought that maybe he could have a, a pretty good college career. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the fact that – and then A.J. Henning, too. I mean, he didn't play much of a role on offense, but he was out there here and there, especially for those jet sweeps and stuff like that. So that's three guys that uh, – scholarship guys that – are now um, not on the team. So, yeah, they're going to need someone to step up if they're going to be that more uh, of a passing attack offense. So it, that will be interesting. And, yeah, the guys that you mentioned behind Cornelius and um, behind Roman Wilson aren't very experienced. No. So it's, you know, everyone I think wants Michigan to become this more prolific passing attack, and I think they're going to try. But if you don't have a ton of weapons or a ton of options to throw to, as we've seen in years past, it can really kind of dampen things. So, I, I do think they need a big year out of Cornelius Johnson just to take some of the pressure off of him and, and maybe a Roman Wilson and open things up for someone else. Peyton O'Leary was, from all accounts, impressive in the spring. We all saw him in the spring game, how he had a breakout performance. Can he translate that to camp and then, and then you know, regular games? We'll see. Uh, but I think carve out a, you know, a niche role for him, someone like him or, or Tyler Morris I do think that can be um, that can be a good thing. I think it can help the offense. It can take some of the pressure off some of those big guys because, as we know, you know Cornelius is going to be number one. I mean, teams are going to load up and, and try to defend him. Can he withstand the pressure? Withstand the attention? Um, you know, now to to be a reliable pass catcher, but to try and open things up for for his other teammates. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't be surprised if if a guy like tight end Carlson Loveland or running back Donovan Edwards would finish third on the team in receiving this year. I mean, I think they're going to try and utilize them more in the passing game and not because out of necessity because they don't have much depth at receiver, but because they also are could be pretty dynamic with the ball in their hands and can, can touch the ball. So, yeah, let's uh, – let's any, anything else on offense or should we move over to defense? No, I mean, backup will be interesting. Jim did say there's four guys vying, so they haven't officially named a backup quarterback yet. Um, I think that'll probably play out in camp. But nonetheless, you know, I got to think Jack Tuttle and, and Davis Warner, obviously the two, two obvious answers there. Let's let's talk cornerback. I think that's the the biggest question mark heading heading for this team because you have Will Johnson, and then behind him you have a bunch of question marks. Yeah, a, a bunch. Uh, we'll start with Morian Walker, the former receiver who moved over to the defensive backfield uh, in the spring. Michigan was kind of hoping for a similar trajectory with with Amorian in terms of what what they what they got on Mike, Mike Sanders still last year. Sanders still kind of took the, the ball and, and and ran with it. He, he did. He excelled. He impressed. Um, he he won a starting job pretty much immediately, and we saw kind of how things um, you know blossomed for him last spring. Uh, it wasn't really the same case for Morgan Walker. He struggled at times in the spring game back in April. Um, there's been mixed results, kind of feedback on on his progress. I do think they're going to continue to roll him out there in camp and see what they got out of him. I, I still think he's an option. But it seems like to me, based on you know some of the offseason stuff, that Michigan is looking elsewhere. Um, yes, there's there's other options on the team already. Jade McBurrell is being one, maybe a Miles Pollard, whoever. But um, Michigan brought in a transfer from UMass and Josh Wallace for a reason. You know, he's a starter. He's an experienced guy. He's 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 excelled in he excelled in a press man defense at UMass. Um, I, I gotta think right now 
Yes, he didn't practice with Michigan in the spring. In fact, he just got here. I, I just, and I just spoke to him last week while Mr. Work coming coming in live.com. But he just got here about a month and a half ago. So he's still learning like restaurants and the town and the team and everything else. In fact, I, I asked Mike Samer still about him uh, at Big Ten Media Days last week. And he joked that Josh is still joking with him that he's not a part of the team. I guess when, when they talk about Michigan, Josh always says, you guys. So he's still learning to become part of the roster and everything else. So there's going to be some growing pains early, but I got to think he's going to be a front runner for the starting job. Um, another option that, that has been broached is moving Mike Sanders still to, out, to the outside, to corner from his nickel spot. If they feel like they don't have, you know, they're not confident in the other guys. So a lot of questions there. No doubt Will Johnson's a starter, just no matter who the other guy is going to be. They got some options. They've just got to they got to figure it out here. Yeah, to me, I mean, I, I think they're they're going to play a lot of guys in the first three games, not conference games, because they're going to have big leagues and they can they have the luxury of doing that. But come week four against Rutgers, I, I just have a feeling that it's going to be Josh Wallace out there. I mean, he is the most experienced, and as you said, uh, Marion Walker did not play well in the spring game. Still very raw. Um, J.D. McBurrow's missed a full year because of injury. Doesn't have much size. Uh, and I mean, Jair Hill, uh, one of the true freshmen, I mean, he, he's a talented guy and he, he was mentioned a lot during the spring, but again, it's hard to trust that there's not many Will Johnsons out there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you could move Mike Sanders still outside, but then you'd create a hole at nickel and the same, I don't, there's not like there's another nickel ready to step into that role either. So yeah, to me, I, I'm thinking I, I'm would perhaps predict that Josh Wallace would be the starter come, come week four. But again, that's what preseason is for to kind of sort out these battles yeah and speaking of preseason it sounds like michigan's going to use that too to kind of hammer out the edge spot you know jim harbaugh did say that they've got four guys vying for the two starting roles um it's it's the obvious names Braden mcgregor jalen harrell Derek moore and josiah stewart the uh, the transfer from coastal carolina so uh, jim said that he wouldn't be surprised if they spend the first couple of weeks uh, starting different guys to see what they got because I think you got you've really got four distinct body types, guys that do things diff, uh, better than others differently. Um, you got guys that are still learning the defense, like Josiah Stewart. So it, it, Michigan's got, I think, going to have some tinkering to do, some figuring out to do, and I, I do expect them to use a non-conference to, to figure that out too. Yeah, and even so, I mean, it was, as we saw last year, Michigan rotates their their D linemen and edges a lot more than than their cornerbacks do. So, yeah, maybe two guys will be named starters, but you're still going to see multiple guys at those positions because Michigan likes to keep them fresh, um, likes to uh, mix in different packages. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure that the, the playing times are going to be spread out pretty evenly there, at least early on. Yeah, you nailed it. Uh, and so that pretty much wrapped up. There aren't as many question marks to me on the defense, uh, just basically corner and, and obviously the edge in terms of how they rotate those guys. Everything else pretty much pretty much full. I, I think they feel pretty good about the defensive line, uh, especially the interior. They feel pretty good about linebacker, um, safety set. They have no real questions there either. Um, and then special teams too. <clears throat> They're still figuring out uh, the, the – sounds like James Turner is going to be the front runner at kicker. Uh, Tommy Doman sells in his punter, so they're they're pretty much set with a kicking game. It's going to come down to returners who they're going to end up, you know, using there. Um, AJ Henning was obviously a big factor there. They lose him when he transferred out to Northwestern, so they're going to have some uh, some you know some holes to fill in the special in the special return spots. I have one more question for you in in regards to to fall or heading into fall camp. Who is your prediction for this year's preseason All American? seems like every year that the there's one or two players that get a load of hype from coaches and teammates and 
sometimes the hype ends up being warranted and other times not so much. I mean, you look at some guy, it seems like Donovan Jeter was one of those guys like every preseason that would get hyped up a little bit and, and it never really came to fruition when the regular season began. Yeah, I don't know if they have too many of those guys that are just getting hyped up that don't produce just because this team is loaded top to bottom. I, I, I do think my if I had to made a, make a pick right now who ends up an All-American by the end of the season, the obvious choice for me would be Will Johnson. I, I think he's set up for a big year. He ended last year playing incredible. Um, I think it, him producing on the big stage in the Big Ten Championship game against Ohio State and the like – I think he's going to set him up for a big season. I, I, I think he's going to be by the end of it, by the end of his Michigan career, um, he will probably be in the same conversation. And then again, this is me making a prediction as, as Charles Woodson. I don't think he'll be as good as Charles Woodson, but I, I think he's going to be right there. Um, the guy's got ball ball skills. He's an athlete. Um, you know, he played. You know, he got the jitters out as a true freshman. Now he's set for a big year as a sophomore, and I, I, I do think he's going to be. I think he's going to be a superstar. Um, now, that being said, I, obviously, people are going to point to Blake Corum. I, I don't think Blake is going to get the number of carries that he did last year to get to the numbers he got. Part of that by design. Part of that is just, you know, just the fact that they got so much depth there. Um, but, you know, I, I think Blake's going to have a good, a good year. I think sneakily, J.J. McCarthy could be in the conversation if they decide to throw the ball a little bit more. Um, and then Colston Loveland. I mean, that guy... I talked I talked to Jake Butt the other day at Big Ten Media Days in Indianapolis and, and well the story on, on Colston as as the summer rolls on at the culture of the season. But you know, Jake was telling me he, he thinks Colston could be in a could end up being better than he was. So that's a huge endorsement. We saw again another guy, true freshman who came on as the season went on last year, had big moments in big games. Um it was it was it was it was fun to watch. Classic McMahon taking the the literal approach to All American. I, I was envisioning more of a guy that's not that hasn't had much of a, a track record yet. To to me, it's like a guy like Braden McGregor who is now entering his fourth year and hasn't really done much on the field yet. But I mean, I, even in the spring, he was talked about a lot. Like this is his year. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, he'll probably get some opportunity. We'll see if he can seize it. It's also been a big week in recruiting, which started Sunday night in Springfield, Ohio, where four-star cornerback Aaron Stott pulled an ultimate fake out and ended up committing to his home state Buckeyes. And I mean, it really came down to a, a two-team race for this top 60 overall prospect, a, a top five cornerback nationally. Uh, I mean, Oregon was named a finalist, but it was really between Michigan and Ohio State. And I mean, it was funny watching. It's like he had hats and bags of all the schools in front of him on the table. And uh, you're like, all right, yeah, he sets aside Oregon right away. You kind of can predict that. And then he well, goes to Ohio State. Is he going to put on the hat right away or or what? And then he sets that aside, too, leaving only Michigan in front of him. And I'm sure Wolverines fans got excited there for a second. He picked up the, the hat and the bag and flash the the Michigan bag for a hot second and all of a sudden digging in and pulls out Ohio State jersey and I'm sure that uh, broke a lot of heart of Michigan fans too because really I mean Michigan put the full court press on him um, through throughout this the recruiting process I mean he was the second ranked prospect in Ohio they were also in on, on Bryce West the the top ranked player in Ohio another cornerback too and he chose 
Ohio State and all right, so there's all right, are they gonna let Ohio State keep their top two prospects at home? And Michigan made a, a valiant effort to to land him, but again, it's uh the the tide might have turned a little bit uh, on the field in the rivalry, but the Ohio State's showing that it's still gonna protect its borders when it comes to recruiting. I mean, Michigan has made some has made inroads in Ohio and has made some progress there. I mean, they got Jordan Marshall. Uh, a, a top 100 prospect. They're first from Ohio since 2013. And I mean, they have four other guys from Ohio, including Elias Rudolph, who also held uh, Ohio State offer. But when it comes to the cream of the crop, it looks like Ohio State's going to be tough to beat. And it really hurts Michigan because they need corners at, in this class and they didn't have any and they were left with zero after Scott decided to choose the Buckeyes. So, I mean, with, with Scott choosing OSU, Michigan was left at the altar. Um, for another top cornerback target. And Steve Klingsdale and company quickly had to pivot and, and push for three-star Josiah Edmond out of Northwood High in Indiana. And he had been committed to Purdue since June 10th. And all of a sudden, yesterday morning, he decides to decommit from the boil, Boilermakers. And uh, later that night, he uh, announced his commitment to Michigan. So they finally got the, got a cornerback in this class. Uh a number 723 overall prospect nationally. Um, I think he's in the 60s as far as cornerbacks go, but he's got pretty good size, 6'1", 180 pounds, got some position versatility. It looks like he plays all over the secondary um, for Northwood. So, I mean, definitely not a, a high-ceiling guy like the, a West or a Scott, but a, a necessary land regardless. Yeah, Scott was a disappointment. I, I do think – you know, I don't know how serious he really was considering Michigan. Obviously, he was a finalist, but like at the end of the day, obviously the home state school wins out. Um, now I was gonna say I was gonna anoint if Michigan had landed him, I was ready to anoint him as, as maybe one of Jim Harbaugh's most important recruits uh since he got here. Just the fact that Michigan's been able just because Michigan's been able to turn the tie in the field, but also obviously they've they've started to make inroads in Ohio, as you mentioned. And I think maybe if they had landed Scott that would have kind of been the tipping point for Michigan in terms of getting back in there, landing elite guys out of the state. Um, disappointing. I mean, I guess, but like, I don't think anything that came out of that would have been surprising if he had picked Michigan. Obviously it wouldn't have been a huge shock just because Michigan had been pursuing him so well. Um, you saw like, you know, uh, you know, you saw guys tweeting at him. You saw like Charles Woodson was pushing for him. Like, so Michigan was putting the full, the full on stop there. And, and the fact that they were considered a finalist, I think is a big deal. Um, disappointing. I mean, I guess, but not shocking given the way that, you know, recruiting has gone and, and Ohio state too. I mean, they've, they've still been able to recruit so well, despite losing the last couple of years, the Wolverines and maybe not having the success that they wanted, but, uh, disappointing. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, you, you, you get the feeling that Michigan still is in a better place than it was just a few years ago in terms of recruiting, mostly defensive backs. Uh, Steve Klingseal's done a very good job. He knows his territory. He's been able to execute and get get kids that um, maybe wouldn't have picked Michigan before. And I'm not and I'm not speaking like high four or five star kids, but kids that maybe would have considered like like an Ohio State or or a Kentucky or a Tennessee before. And they are yeah Penn State, so they're picking Michigan now. They're getting he's, he's still getting his type of kids, guys. And he feels like he can get in here and develop and turn into. You know, uh, elite level guys. So uh, I don't think it's necessarily a loss for Michigan. They're still able to get 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 a guy they wanted. Um, obviously, not a top tier candidate. Nonetheless, I, I do think there still is momentum for Michigan recruiting in the state of Ohio. They've done a better job, and I think winning will will continue that. 
Yeah, I mean, and what was interesting about Scott's decision too was it was really it was really a, uh, actually a toss up heading into the into the decision day because he hadn't let the the schools know yet what he was what he had decided. So I mean, even all the recruiting experts were like, I, I mean. I think he's going to choose Ohio state probably didn't stay home, but like, I mean, we don't know for sure. It's like they're handicapping the race, which was kind of made it a little bit interesting because most recruitments now, I mean, guys already know which who they're, who the recruits are going to pick before they even announce. So it was good to see a, a true kind of a, a toss up heading into the decision too. So yeah, mission has landed one cornerback now and, it looks like they're trending for another in Jeremiah Lowe out of out of Kentucky, as Aaron said. Looks like more of a project type, not ranked. In, he's ranked outside the top 1,000 overall. Um, but again, when when you miss on some of your top targets and it gets late in the game, um, it's you got to maybe kind of pivot to option B, C, and D too. So again, Mission has shown that they can develop these guys, and it's not 100% that he commits to Michigan. There's still what four four months until signing day. So um, a lot can, lot can happen from here on out, but that's that's where things stand. 27 commits in the 2024 class. And yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll probably get close to, to 30 in the 2024 cycle, um, but they're also now looking ahead to 2025. Had the barbecue at the big house this past weekend, an annual event. They're typically their largest recruiting event of the year. Uh, looks like they welcomed more than 20 prospects from that class on campus and got a commitment from one of them on Tuesday. Bobby Kanka from uh, Howell, um, a four-star defensive lineman and really a, a true Michigan guy. I mean, I, uh, talking with him yesterday, I mean, he bleeds maize and blue, grew up a Michigan fan. I mean, plays high school just down the road um, from the big house. Um, and I mean, he's a guy that he, he, I feel like he can be a leader of, of this class. I mean, he, he spoke, uh, as well-spoken kid wants to get guys that love to play football and that want to win the championship too. said all the right things. So I'll have a story on him uh, later on Wednesday too, on MLive.com too. But yeah, it seems like a, not a, a true elite prospect, but I mean, definitely a, a, a solid, a solid in-state guy ranked number four in Michigan. Um, so definitely a guy to, to build around with this this early in the class. Yeah, low four-star kid, uh, as you mentioned, in-state, wanted to play for Michigan. These are the guys that, like, Jim Harbaugh was landing early in his tenure. Like, he was able to get no problem. And the fact that Michigan's able to get them still and fill a position in need, I think, is a good sign. Um, yes, he's not a high five-star kid, um, Not a, like you said, not elite, but it's somebody they can probably develop into a – you know, above average defense alignment, and really, that's that's all you need. You don't necessarily need a group of you know of, of high fives or high fours and fives when when you're able to develop them. So I, I think it's good pickup. Uh, you know, continues. It helps when you're getting kids in the state. I think it looks good just from a publicity standpoint. But it, the fact they're able to get a, a good player uh, helps too. Yeah, and it looks like Mike Elston's kind of found his niche on the recruiting trail too. He's he's landing a lot of these low four star, high three star defensive linemen, which. I mean, you. I mean, if if you can develop them, that's kind of what you want, right? I mean, guys that have enough talent that you can see in the high school level, but also maybe body types or or uh, position versatility that you can develop and and emerge it hopefully as, as stars later on in their career. So, yeah, well, a uh, lot lot to, to st still be filled in the twenty twenty five class, but yeah, it still will probably be a a busy summer for Michigan on their recruiting trail. Another top target is set to announce on August fifth. Um, that's top 100 receiver Gatlin Bear out of Idaho. 
Um, he's coached by uh, the same high school coach as Colston Loveland. And I mean, he's not going to join the class this year. He's going to go on a two-year mission trip last I heard. So he's really a 2026 group, but I mean, he's one of the fastest players in all of, in the whole country. I mean, he's setting state records in sprint time. So definitely a guy that the Michigan would love to welcome, even if it's not for a couple of years. G.A.J. Harbaugh recruit. I guess I haven't looked. Is J after him or who? Yeah, 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 yeah. J. Harbaugh. Makes sense. Jay's done a very good job of finding that, like, those niche guys in those kind of obscure areas, like you mentioned, Colston. Perfect, perfect place. So it's makes sense. I got to think he's going to pick Michigan. Like you said, though, like he's got a two-year app or uh, mission trip, too. It's going to delay enrollment and everything else. Uh, but it's, it's still nice. It'd be, it'd be a nice get for the Wolverines. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I don't see any crystal ball predictions, too. I know uh, Boise State uh, is, is still uh, a top contender there, too. Uh, I mean, he could stay home and play for his hometown school, which would be a, a big deal for, for them, too. So we'll, we'll see on, on August 5th, and we'll have yeah, plenty of coverage on MLive.com slash Wolverines throughout preseason camp. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.